Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. All right, what are these ideas, Rob? Okay, two ideas. Um, first one, and th- I realize this, the the possibility of this happening is just so utterly slim, but I've been listening to um, the Illini Inquirer podcast, which is just pretty much a like Illini sports podcast from a, one of the writers. So I love it. But they do this thing called an emergency pod whenever whenever anything happens that they got to talk about like right away. And so like when they hired the offensive coordinator for the football team the other night, they did like a 25 minute emergency pod like to and they interviewed some guy that knew him and blah, blah. And I was like, hmm, that's at least an intriguing idea in theory. That would be fun if we ever just had like an emergency pod of like, hey, we have to talk about this. And I'm not talking anything like, you know, it'd be classic Three Dogs North. Example being, did you guys see when Najee Harris leaped that guy? Oh my gosh, I did. Did you see no. that, Connor? I'm oh, Googling it now. Gosh. Oh, yeah. It's man ball, man. Gosh. But I was like, that would be something that we would just need to get on the horn and talk about of how that happened. Yeah, I like the very uh, loose use of uh, the word emergency. The offensive coordinator is changing. It's an emergency. Yeah, I do too. I actually, I like it a lot. It's kind of fun. Um, But I'm just throwing it out there. Take it or leave it. Um, There you have it. Yeah, so far in 2021, I would say that the Najee Harris leap is up there on top emergencies that we need to talk about. <laughs> Mets, what did you think when you saw that though? I well, I dude, I'm just like, where do they get these dudes, these running backs from Alabama, man? Because oh. like at the end of the play, he like runs a guy over too. <laughs> like pick one or the other. You can't do both. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> you just jumped over another human being, like full on. You know, normally when the normally when those running backs when they do those big jumps, it's the the defensive players like trying to go low and cut out their knees or something like that. Right. And they're just jumping over like a little hurdle. He jumped over a standing Oh my god, dude, I'm watching it right now. And then and then sprinted past the rest of the defense. It's uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, and that stupid Alabama team. He was like the he's like the third best guy on their team. <laughs> so so good. I had not watched that. Um, did that wide receiver so come back for the game? I didn't watch any of these playoff games. They, they had a had, great wide receiver. Yeah, who got hurt? Jalen Waddle. I don't know if he's going to be able to make it back, but their so other Alabama. wide receiver, Devontae Smith, won the Heisman, and their quarterback was like the runner-up. So <laughs> it's. And then that running back, legitimately, that running back is like the third best guy on the team. And there are games where he scores like five or six touchdowns. It's absurd. <laughs> I hate them. I hate them. Gosh. Yeah, it doesn't what? seem fair. <laughs> this is, I'm spiraling. What else is going on? <laughs> Sorry. I just hadn't – I honestly hadn't seen a feat like that since we used to talk about Zion dunking. So it, just, <laughs> it, took, me, it took me back. And I honestly did marvel at it. And I, for, I think this, yeah, 
I totally think this is just a good thing. But I was my honest thought was like, oh my gosh, what else is there to podcast about besides this? <laughs> um, so anyway, take it or leave it. If you guys ever need an emergency pod, I say we just we just text it out, and if we can do it, we do it. Um, second thing, this is also probably because I just got done reading uh, Peterson's <clears throat> book, which is just trying to make order out of chaos. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I, I have this thought of... At some point, I would like your guys' thoughts of like, hey, what are I have actually been reflecting on on this because he he's so articulate on why order is you have to sacrifice so much for it. And things are so complex and systems are so complex. And usually even if systems need like updated and things like that, um, which is probably always the case there's so much more to it than like the you know hey let's figure out the world just sitting around like talking if we were in charge it'd be so much better thing and i was like i would actually be interested in thoughts at some point or like what are three things um in in like the evangelization efforts of the church in america that we should do radically different that would be like a major system level shift hmm. that isn't just like a like uh hey let's go out and evangelize let's go do it but no this is like a rooted in structure of the church and how it functions today which is actually really important um and but like what are just ideas that you could throw out that would be like nope we should actually we should radically shift this and this is what it would mean and this is what it would take i would just be curious of thoughts some sometime um because i again that was that was just like a, a thought from reading peterson that i was like huh that's pretty interesting um to think about so right. i i honestly if you guys want to talk about that we can but that was just at some point in the future i think that would be fun hmm. well did Do you, you have, have anything did you have anything okay. in mind if you had ideas, no. <clears throat> no, honestly, that's the thing, and I think that's I'm a, I'm a little bit um, not like gun shy after reading Peterson, but it's also just I think maturing and everything like that. Of uh, gosh darn man, it's very complex how this all like functions and holds together and everything like that. So I really don't. It's just something I want to start thinking about. Yeah, I agree. I think. Uh... As I get older, I get chastened in my um, thinking about big issues and radical changes. I think there's something natural and probably good about youth. You come into the world and you're like, oh, why is it so hard for these old people to see that this is the way we should do it? And uh, they're so stuck in their ways and attached to to things that are inessential. Um but then you kind of like try to change things or try to move the needle a little bit. And uh, it is like just a really complex set of problems. Um, and some are intractable, just human problems like sin. Like you're, you're just not going to solve sin uh, in the church or in the world or anywhere in our own families. Um, 
And so the little things, like the smaller, the local, the things you can control, the things that God gives you to do, um, I just think are actually the most important and big global or universal changes or top down. Like if, if the dioceses or the Vatican just did this different, then your parish would not suck as much. It's just like unrealistic. Um, you know, it's always been start small, start with your family, start with your parish and what you can control. Um, start with yourself and pray. It's the, the, the fundamental bit of it all is like that we cannot save ourselves. We cannot improve the church or her efforts to evangelize or grow or be authentic or worship well. Um, but we can choose it ourselves. But I guess the, the first couple things I thought um, that I might do different if I were more in charge than I am would be priests living in community, diocesan priests living in a more intentional communities um, and something with the Catholic schools uh, mm. that I just think it, they take so much of our energy um, and money and d- haven't produced a lot of fruit for the kingdom. Um, some of them are very good schools, but I wonder why they are often at the top of the list on diocese-wide conversations about the institution when we've hardly seen a, a priest or religious come out of them in the last 40 years. Not that there aren't any, but... Um, well, and and many who do go um, will leave the faith as well. Yeah, to say nothing of just active yeah. lay Catholics. Um so something radical there, I think, some with some some courage, because people's schools. I remember in the when I was in the parish, I would go to functions in town and talk to people who had never met me, had never been in church in the four years I was there, and they would still say, "Like, man, if you guys ever close that school, you're going to have a re- revolution on your hands." And wow. it's like the school is just sucking wind, running a multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars of deficit every year, couldn't get people to pay full tuition couldn't fill the school up. Public schools are free. The town was changing. There weren't as many young families. And you're just like, the school means something to people that never come here. Um, And we let that drive the agenda. And uh, that just always seemed backwards to me. Um, But again, I didn't, it's not like I thought to myself, I was sitting in my room and like, man, if I, if I had all the power, I would do this and that would solve it. You know, I don't know the solution to that, but you know, what I mean, yeah. The the first thing that comes to mind is a is another Peterson idea, um, and it's one of I I love the fact that he has explained this in a way that I understand and that I can now use for my own um, rationalization, because uh, the idea is something like the the intuition of your mind, the imagination of your mind um, can envision what what right is supposed to look like much faster than you can think your way to it. And so that your imagination, your imaginative sense is really like leading and kind of 
in the forefront. And then many times your mind is, is the one that logically connects what you envision as a possibility or what you think may be true, uh, to where you are right now. And so the whole point is like, Hey, there's some sort of a spirit that leads you. And, uh, through the intuition that just naturally comes with people. And he even uses like different scientific, um, experiments and, and inquiries to talk about this. Then, then you can use these logical steps to, uh, figure out how that, ex- it, how that exactly is true. And the whole, the whole point in saying that is I think there are people and movements in the church that are already living the evangelization in a radically different way. And I, th- I think they're just kind of intuitively living in, in relationship with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is the one that's leading and guiding those things. So my first question would be like, let's look internationally and see who's doing this well, because my guess is there are, the spirit is leading the way on this and we just really need to, to see where that's going on. Um, and I mean, I, like I think of the missionaries of charity who get out and get after it and evangelize in such a radical way, but they're not even trying to evangelize. They're just out there living the Christian faith, trying to live in relationship with the Holy spirit and the Holy Spirit's the one that's leading and guiding them. And I, I know that's kind of a cop-out, but I do think that you can look at examples of saints whose imaginations have already led them into what like we could possibly be doing. Um, and instead of just trying to think it out, you know, but, but actually looking at lived examples of how love is translated into proper evangelization internationally or nationally or whatever and see like, okay, well, what are the key components of what they're doing? And and that's the way that I would go about it. That that's, that's how I would try to look at the problem. But other than that, I mean, there's nothing immediately that, that comes to mind. That's more of like a a methodical or or the theory of how I would do it. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I don't disagree, especially on, I mean, the notion of like, it starts, uh, local and it starts like very much in you, you know. Um, but I guess this idea would be, I, I would be very interested at some point, like, yeah, of it, it. I think it would be fun and, and maybe like a good way to engage this in a different way of like, I would just be interested of like make, yeah, think about it and like make a as a thought experiment. So like, obviously you're not bound to it, but it's almost like the whole, Hey, like make a, make a pitch and an idea that, um, like defends this totally like, Hey, try to make a, a huge argument for why this should happen. And this is, this is better, uh, like in, in this particular way. So I know that's a little bit abstract, but I'm trying to keep it there in a way i just i would be interested of that at some point of like yeah why is this um a better idea i mean i i relate what you were talking to about the schools um bisque i mean there's something there's something there of like yeah no some good and like 
hard questions need to be asked for sure. But there's also like that's something that I think you can see very quickly of, gosh, like a lot of resources and energy get poured into a lot of our schools. Um, and yeah, it is kind of the question of like, yeah, what's the what's the fruit? Because I think that's a legitimate a legitimate question of like we want places that help foster like authentic vocations and are real like really at a high level producing helping foster disciples not producing um but it's like i also from experiences now at two different parishes know there's something like extraordinarily good and important about a school that somehow does go deeper than just like people are attached to it I just don't know what it is. And so that's like an example of this is a complex thing here. And um, I, I, so I don't, I don't, I really don't have an answer. That's, that was just the thought of like, I wonder if that would be fun at some point to say, hey, let's get out of the abstract and just like go at it and make a, in the freedom of thought of like, hey, I'm not even, I'm just arguing for this to to like think through it and try to understand the complexities mm -hmm. and just let like let other people rage on it type thing um mm -hmm. so i don't even know what the structure is i just have a desire for that in in some some way i don't know if that makes any sense or not what if we just said everybody should have a podcast because that's it best, it's the best way to evangelize <laughs> That, I think, we've, I think that, we've proven that. That was a radical idea right there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. you, so you're, are you getting that from what in Peterson or what inspired you about? Well, loosely from Peterson. <clears throat> Peterson just made me, I think, realize he put like really cool words on. Um, he uses the coolest words. The best words. <laughs> that dang man like i mean i think his one of his main driving points is that like it's really hard to not let chaos reign and mm. like revolution is like violent and and costs a lot and a lot of people get hurt because of it so it's actually really important typically almost all of the time not to just like rage and tear down systems because if you have any wisdom and common sense they're probably there for a reason and maybe it's out outdated and needs updated um but it's like it's really really hard and takes a lot of work individually and then collectively it gets even more complex to not let chaos reign yeah it's a lot e it's a lot easier to destroy things than to build them Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. No, it's true. And and looking at the Dawson and parish structure, you know, with school systems and uh, parish boundaries and I mean all that different stuff. Yeah, those are there for a reason, and they've they've been around for a while. I guess I don't know how long the the parochial system has been around for, but it exists for a reason. And to just come in and um, to just kind of throw it all away, right, would be 
is would be silly. We would be losing a lot. They'd be throwing the baby out the bathwater. Um, I know that was yeah. like a, a yeah. I was in a conversation with some priests a few months ago where somebody was, was suggesting like, maybe we just need to go to destination parishes, you know, and uh, people who like this kind of parish or people who like that kind of parish because people are so much more mobile now and people kind of shop around anyway. And uh, I was talking to a, another more senior priest after the conversation and he agreed like, that's just a not... I don't know. It seems like a capitulation to the consumer mindset and uh, to the kind of disembodied virtual living that we do on a daily basis that's so alienating that I think the parish kind of stands as a sign of contradiction to me. Um, Certainly the way that parishes and diocesan bureaucracies operate can be frustrating. you know, when you go to your territorial parish and you're just not fed, I get why people go to another one that yeah. they don't belong to and are, are kind of anonymous and don't get involved. They just kind of go and this is the mass I like and this is the preaching I like or the music I like and I go and but there's a cost to that where you're not you don't worship where you live and you're not with your neighbors at mass and then and then at the restaurant and then, at you know city hall meetings or whatever, you know, like, I think there's a, there's something lost when we, when we don't have that, have the parish as like part of the civic life, you know, and that's yeah. when you get this division between your spiritual life and your practical life. And, um, so I, I, I still think as a diocesan priest, our thing is wherever you're put and Mike, you moved, I want to hear how that went. But um, your your job is the care of the souls in that territory, Catholic and non, you know, everybody. Um, and there's something to that. And, but it's just, it's a question of methods, like what what's the best way for and this is like not we're not the first to talk about this, obviously, you know, you, the, the James Mallon divine renovation. That's been a big uh, key point for in Chicago. They've been talking a lot about with this Renew My Church is. A more radical, but within the framework of the parish, but more radical uh, thinking about like what is what does it look like for a parish to evangelize? And Malin, everywhere he went, and early on in his priesthood, his first couple of pastorates, he just basically cut every program and started Alpha, and and started with just evangelizing and announcing the gospel to the people in the pews and the people outside, and those who were involved, he just equipped to be leaders in this, and those who were not, he told him, go out and find him and bring him here. Uh, because if we're not growing, we're dying. And it, it was a challenge to the way people thought about their parish, which is more like a club or, or uh, you know, a political party. Like, the, this is the people we all agree, and this is what we like to do. Um, but there's even limits to that. I mean, it's no, no one-size-fits-all thing, and a lot of that depends on a charismatic pastor and... Um, that system is not just like, oh, read this book and then your parishes will be better. Follow this 12-step plan. Um, it's complex. Yeah. I, I'm always very nervous about the big the big programs. The meta-narrative. The problem <laughs> yeah. with the church is X. Yeah. It would, all be, if, it would all be better if Y. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, the answer to this, I mean, back to the whole, I mean, Peterson-esque thing is like at the core, yeah, you want to kind of engage this, then make your own bed in the morning. Exactly. I think. Anyway, right. which is true. So I'm not trying to push that at all. Like I believe that absolutely yeah. is the core of it. But it, so it's just like, okay, but this certainly gets talked about a lot. It gets talked a lot about at seminary. I know that amongst mm-hmm. guys that think they're going to save the world, me being included five years ago. Um, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, huh. I mean, could you talk about that? I don't know. Just as like, man, this is really complex stuff. Yeah. Well, and, and the, kind of the deeply human elements to a lot of the stuff that the church does, it seems to me it's like it, it goes um, maybe unnoticed sometimes. We don't see the full value of it until it does, until it starts to change. So like what you're talking about at the school, like there's there's something more than just um, like people feel attached to the parish, even though they're not connected there. But like it's it's like a part of the social fabric of the community and how deep that runs and how valuable that is and how many relationships that maintains and sustains. Like I have no idea, but I know that people need a place to go, that people need a refuge and they need a place that is a house of God. Like that, that's very clear to me and the parish at some level, it allows people to do that in reality, you know, like, Online communities are great. You can have friends online and all that stuff. But um, meeting in a chat room is not the same thing as like actually getting together and breaking bread together. Like those are we need physical places to do that. And parishes, they provide that in a a very real way. And and all the things that go into a parish um, and, you know, the life of a community, schools, uh, St. Vincent de Paul, all that stuff. Like that stuff, it runs deeper than just what they practically do, you know, and I guess it's kind of tough to get to the bottom of that, but yeah, there's obviously a lot of value in it because I I wonder if we could do something like um, look at what the parishes do provide and what they're supposed to provide and mind the good and, um, and try to figure out mind the good, like coal mine or mind the good, like mine. No, no, no. No, 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 like coal mine, mine the good. I like that. Yeah. That's a potential title. Mine the good. <laughs> um, but that means when we podcast, you have to wear a headlamp. Yes. That Okay, so the first slide on your PowerPoint is going to be a headlamp hard hat. Uh-huh. Mine the good. It's going to be blessed, P- what is it, Miguel Pro? Was he, did he have a headlamp? Didn't he go and work with the the miners in Mexico? I know he worked. Like he, underground? His, his uh, stained glass window in Bishop Barron's chapel had him with the clerics under a suit, I thought. Oh, yeah. I thought he was. I, but I remember, part? didn't he have a... Didn't one of the little five portions of the windows, wasn't it a miner's helmet with a light on it? Well, oh, man. As my friend PJ would say, the world is at my fingertips, so I will... Yeah. All I, know the is that we have the, all I know is that we have the title for our third book, Mind the Good. Yeah. <laughs> Transform the Church in Seven Easy Steps. Yep. <laughs> Life hacks that will save the world. Yep. <laughs> so DIY parish renovation. 
Our first no. book will be our essays. Second book, 11 Rules for Life. Uh-huh. And third book, Mind the Good. Gosh, dude, you're right. It's, there it is in the, in the bottom left. A pickaxe and a headlamp helmet. And it's wow. the old school headlamp with the gas flame on the front. With the gas flame on the front? Yeah, like a, almost like a candle looking lamp on the front of the helmet. You've seen like those old before they Yeah. Head. Oh, my goodness. That's so cool. So my my thought on this is um, from Disarming Beauty by Julian Caron. Have you ever read that book? Nailed the R there. Thanks. It's a double R, so I had to roll it. Um, <laughs> he He's kind of an, uh, a CL guy, Luigi Giassani disciple. I think he might be in charge of the movement now. I don't know. But um, he talked about Jesus's method of evangelization, so to speak, you know, it's an anachronistic word to use, but um, in John, the first chapter, when uh, John and Andrew go to see Jesus after John the Baptist points them out, um, Jesus's first question to them, first statement to them is, what are you seeking? And then they say, where are you staying? And he says, come and see. And he kind of uses that as a, I've talked about this before, but a, a, um, archetype of how how the church should be like a light to the nations a city on a hill that people can see and it's not that we aren't going out and announcing the gospel intentionally trying to to win people and bring them in but the way we live and and stuff like what he says is that jesus trusts in a the human heart's longing for god and the kingdom and b the truth's compelling nature in and of itself it doesn't need to be dressed up in order to to be compelling, um, that the heart is seeking the truth and the truth will make itself manifest if it if we're living the way we're supposed to live, if the church is being authentically herself. And that idea of come and see that Jesus has a place to to show them where what they're longing for is happening, you know, in, in a visible way, a tangible way. And I, I've thought about that a lot in terms of like the Newman Center in building the, the culture there. I mean, the people are the most important part of it. Um, when you come to a Newman event, when you come to mass, when you come to the coffee shop, uh, is it different? Do you, do you see the kingdom? Even if you, you, you know, you have no idea that that's what you're looking for or that's what you're seeing. Um, it's a question of the, the heart, not so much like policy and arguments and, and doing everything right, but, um, creating the conditions where people can have that kind of encounter. Um, on both sides, you know, the people in the church encountering the people out of the church and, and vice versa. That's usually, um, you know, there are people who just Google Christianity and convert because of something that they read. But e- even then, I-, I suspect that most people, I'm thinking of one woman in particular who's going through RCIA with us right now, that that happened to during quarantine, that her heart was just like ready and the internet was there and she read it all and she's like, I believe it. I want to be Catholic, but it all traced back to a professor she had who, you know, um, she, before she was ever religious at all, knew he was Catholic and he would often like, you know, ask her for help to Google like homeless shelters so he could have a list for the people that he saw on the train on the way, way in. Like 
just to help people. And he was just a man for others, you know, as the Jesuits say. And that was the, that was the thing that when she thought, why do I not feel fulfilled? Well, he seemed fulfilled, you know, and it was that, that memory of that friendship and that relationship that led her to look to Christ or look for him. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of thing you can't, you can't engineer it. Um, but you can create the conditions where, where it happens and you, you can know yourself, like if you're in charge of a, a household or a, ch- a church parish, like, is this, is this the kind of place where when I go, it, it was such a relief for me when I, when I got focused missionaries, the after mass, like when you'd see new faces, I had somebody to, to hand them off to that I knew would learn their name and love them and care about them and invite them to something and what they were inviting them to the Bible studies, the events were things where they, um, they would get to see what it's like, you know, to live, live with us, you know, uh, live this way of life. Um, that we're not just another student org or, or whatever, you know, so that's not really a program, but I think it's a culture. It's the culture of the kingdom of God, which is among us and it's a mustard seed and it's not, sometimes I throw up my hands and I, I, maybe it borders on despair, but I think it more borders. It's more like just grace is, is invisible and it's in the small things. And this, like, there's something in all of us that is a utopian that man, if it were just this way, it would all be better. And I think I'm with uh, Walter Chizek that like the, the will of God are the cons- is the cons- concrete circumstances that you find yourself in and assenting to them and um, receiving from God what he wants to give you in this moment. And what we often do is, is buck that, try to, try to make reality different than it is. You know what I mean? Um, and when the church is really docile to her master, it's when it's just like, well, <laughs> I wouldn't have chosen these people to be in charge or this to be the circumstances that the church is in right now, but it is. And so God, I'm going to make my bed today and get up and and do it. And that's just like, that's the only way I can stay encouraged, you know? Yeah. Didn't, and maybe we talked about this like way, 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 way long ago, but wasn't that mother Teresa's, similar like form of evangelization that when when people would write her letters and ask to donate big money that she would just write back and say come and see yeah is that right mm-hmm. yeah there's just something it's not something that can be thought about or or yeah so on the one hand it isn't something that can be manipulated or manufactured um, that it has to be encountered and experienced but then on the other hand, like Rob, I think what you're proposing is, well, it, it's also really valuable to think about these things and to get into the the, the deep goods, uh, like what's actually going on and try to enter in the complexity and border on the edge of proper change slash chaos and, and proper order um, slash control. And but my only fear is that like legitimately... I think those things are so complicated that I don't even know how I could enter into a conversation about them because it's so fluid and tough to put a finger on. Um, 
And I don't know, I would need a serious structure in order to do that. But they're so complex. Like, I think I would get lost. That's my only fear. You ever heard that old phrase? I forget who said it, but don't don't look at what the world needs um, to try to figure out your purpose, but look at what look for what uh, sets you on fire. Because what the world needs is people who've been set on fire, or something like that. Hmm. Um, did I mention this this idea a few weeks ago from that book where the, the comedy writer goes to jail? That movie. I didn't, I didn't talk about that. Did I, it's from this book on the intellectual life that I read for a book club and it's a, I don't remember the movie. It's old. You did. You did talk about it. Yeah. Where he, he tries to like change the world by going and living among the, the homeless and all this stuff. And all he does is make a spectacle of himself and, and the people he's trying to help and And never realizes that. And yeah, in prison, he sees that he actually was helping a bunch of guys. Yeah. By writing his, his silly shows that they're all laughing their heads off. Um, yeah, I just think like that to me, that seems so wise that we don't know how, what we do contributes to the body. Um, you know, cause sometimes in these conversations, cause we, we do have some authority, obviously we're priests and we, now we're all, are you a pastor now, Mike? Or are you an associate? In, in no, I'm, place? yeah, I'm just another associate. So you don't have any authority. You're basically useless. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, more or less. But me and Rob are important. Uh, but <clears throat> I, th- I think it's just, to me, the question is intimidating. I think it is a good question, Rob. But um, sometimes I'm, I'm tempted to just be like, man, I wish I could just like be in a monastery making little crosses or washing dishes. <laughs> Say it. Work. Say yeah. it. I wish I could be on Athos. <laughs> <laughs> because it does seem it does just seem like to me more real than programs and and stuff like that you know what i mean and the way and how those people are connected to me agree 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 but it's also like if you're involved in the governance of the church i think you got to think about this stuff no no doubt I'm, i'm i'm totally in agreement i remember when we were on retreat with baron um he was talking about uh, his his vocation as a teacher, not not just obviously the vocation as a priest, but as a, as an intellect, as an academic, was to actually engage the hard questions, which was like a form of legitimately, you know, like entering into the cross with the existential um, difficulties and complexities and 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 really angst that comes with thinking about these hard things. So that he could actually bear some fruit through through entering into these tough questions with with Jesus with grace and like he, he kind of saw that as as his vocation in a lot of ways was to to share the fruit of the difficult time that he spent in in thought and in prayer and and you know obviously that's been true with his priesthood that if he didn't enter into those things like. There are, there are a lot of things that I would not know or would not have incorporated into me um, that are a big part of, of the sacrifice that he made to like really sit and think about a lot of those things. Um, so obviously there's there's value to it, but I think there's also a duty to it that it's like, well, if, if, we, 
if people don't do it, nobody's going to do it. You know, it's not just something that you naturally tend to think about or, or want to challenge towards. And yeah, so I, I, I'm definitely in, in, in down for the idea for sure. Well, the effective movement for me, even in talking about it is, have you guys seen Band of Brothers? Of course. Dude, it's so good. But I remember this. My favorite scene is when they take the the city and um, Spears comes in as the commander of Easy Company. You guys know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And it's like the Eagle's Nest, or no, no, no. It's when they um they they have the. I think it's Lieutenant Dyke that is like totally incompetent, oh, and yeah. and he just kind of freaks out and um, oh yeah, it's so scary. And then Winters is like freaking out and he Winters takes off running to go like lead easy company and the colonel makes Winters stay. Like he says, you cannot go there. And then Winters screams at Spears and Spears runs in and in a totally like it just an effective movement way. In some ways, that's what it, it feels like sometimes of like, gosh, I am. I Maybe it stems from in me of like, yeah, there's still a big part of me that is dying to like just go be, you know, uh, a focus missionary again and just be on campus. And it would be so awesome. Um, but it's like, ah, oh, man, I feel like I'm at my desk a lot. And I actually am learning that that's really important um, mm. to be. And it's probably more important for me to try and like support the missionaries well so they can go and do it and that kind of stinks um some days and Mm. so it's like it's all wrapped up in that of like that's kind of what it feels like sometimes of and and it's not like i think it's really important um to like yeah not ever take yourself uh too seriously and like yeah when you're in the grocery store you're a missionary type thing. That's, that's very, very true. Um, but it's like, gosh, man, this is, I, I think something in there is important to talk about like these bigger things sometimes, but with like actual wisdom and experience and, um, trying to understand how complex they are. Um, but it's not very fun. I'm finding maybe either. Cause there's not an easy answer. <laughs> yeah. Not very fun. Uh, Maybe one of our things could be half more fun. Did uh, hey? Did I tell y'all about my ex- my experience before leaving St. Mary's? When it comes to, I guess, just living the easy life and having fun and enjoying priesthood. You didn't, but is it less than forty five seconds? It's very short. Do it. Uh, I'm wasting time. Okay, um, <laughs> that there was some sort of a shift in me when I. F- when I found out that I was moving, that I, like I, I saw the end of my assignment, and and so I, if, you know, it was only like two or three weeks out that it took away this this like different part of the priesthood where I was always thinking about what's like the big term, long term plan of the parish, and I said like, you know what, I can't affect any of that change because I'm gonna leave, and so what am I gonna do for the next two to three weeks? It's just like go around and hang out with these people and spend time with the people of the parish that I've gotten to know over the last year and a half. And it was so fun. It was like the most uh, 
restful, enjoyable, energetic times of being over at the, at that parish specifically was when I quit trying to think about like, I guess the big program type stuff and just tried to live as a priest, uh, with the people there. Um, and, but I'm not the pastor as well. And so there, there is some sort of a balance where it's like, yeah, we got to think about this stuff. And, and it is massively important because I think it is our duty and responsibility. But then, like you said, then you just go and you make your bed and then you just love the people that are right in front of you. And somehow it takes care of itself. Like the spirit will lead in that. And I believe that, but it was a great experience. So your PowerPoint says these things have a way of taking care of themselves. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Evangelization and heaven. Uh, these things have a way of taking care of themselves. It's pretty much, it, we're back to let go and let God. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Jesus, take the wheel. Hey, I got to go here. Good talk. Mets, how did, like, 10 seconds, how, is the move going good? The move, the move's great. Yeah, it's a cool new parish. I'm in Peachtree City. Mm. Uh, it's the land of golf carts. That That's, like, what they're known for is the whole city is connected through this, like, massive super structured highway of golf cart paths <laughs> no joke dude it's crazy i've never seen anything like it that's awesome all right love you guys you're very special hi bros <laughs> see ya yeah. three dogs north are juice seabisk and michael metz Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.